Rock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. All right, final hour of our day here on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. And come back to a Pete Carroll conversation at 930. You guys surprised me and Brock a little bit here. And so uh, we will uh, try to ask if you can help explain where everyone is coming from. We'll do that, as you said, coming up here in 30 minutes before ranked at 945. Brock, you just said yeah. you want to come back to this George Kirby yeah. thing. It's funny. It's one of these topics that there really are a lot of tentacles off of it. And, and you could spend entire shows kind of talking through it. You do kind of want to let it go because George apologized. He wants to move on. It's probably not reflective of who he is or who he wants to be. And yet it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I, it's hard for me to just fully let that one go. Yeah. Well, after four days, here's what's nine on me. I think I've come to the conclusion. This has nothing to do with the competitive will spirit fight. And that was the immediate reaction. Like, Dude, how can you possibly verbalize that? How can you possibly be that weak? How can you possibly not go out there with your leg cut off and fight for your team? Like that initially it felt like a competitive. Like he he just didn't have this competitive grit. I don't think that's it at all, four days later. I think this is completely about protecting his self interest of his arm. I think what your five word question, what was it? Is he legitimately concerned about getting injured? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's where all of this comes from. Because remember, and this is kind of the piece of evidence I've been thinking about over the course of the year, and I'm not wrong on this. I know I'm not misremembering that going into this season, the conversation was, and why maybe six starters with Flexen or, or this, you know, how we're going to figure all this out. Going into this year, it was still protecting George and Logan. That, that was the thought going in. And now, because of Marco and Flexen and Robbie and everything else, like, hey, man, you got to go. Sorry. I know that was planned, but you know you got to go. Mm-hmm. And I think George's looking at it going, but that's not the way it works with this this arm of mine, and that's not the way that you know. I, I've got a I got a career, and, and I'm young, and I'm making nothing yep. in terms of baseball. Like you don't make it and make it make it generationally until you get past six, you know, your arbitration numbers and year four, five, six. And then ultimately a free agent. Like, I, I got to protect my arm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't know whether I said this on the air yesterday. Did I say this on the air? I sometimes forget what I've said publicly or what I was saying just to you guys as we were talking about it. But it certainly wasn't something I would be afraid to. I can see a scenario in which George is saying, hey, hold on a minute. This isn't my fault. I appreciate that you've got a problem and you need me to come in and, right. and pitch longer because your bullpen's tired. Why is your bullpen tired? Like, like I'm yeah. doing my best. I'm out here throwing. Well, George, you only threw three innings the start before. You missed the start before that. So I do think it can kind of come a little bit back on him. Yep. But, Brock, I think your point there is well taken as well. Like, hey, you were supposed to baby me. I'm still young. I'm This is my first full season in the big leagues. Yes. Why do I have to be the one to go out and throw an extra inning? I should be the one you're trying to take the, the heat off of. And the fact that you didn't go out and get 90s. another pitcher, that's not my problem. Back in the mid-90s. <laughs> Early 90s, there was an exercise called squat till you drop. Yep. 225 pounds in the weight room. Like, hey, man, you, you know, put your, put your chalk on your hands. Put your mouthpiece in your mouth. Put the tighten that strength belt and get 225 on your back, and you squat till you drop until that weight falls backwards, and we'll catch it. And you know what happened? That disc and that L5 and that disc and that disc, like, 
yeah, man, that, that was just not, that's not great. Yeah. That's not wise. And, and there's so many practices along the way that we can look at the last 20 years. We can look at what the NFL has done, what they mandated, what Passon's talking about with some of these rules. I don't know. You listen to John Smoltz say, could, could those guys have thrown harder? Absolutely. Could we have just cut it loose and let it rip? George Kirby's gone from a 91-mile-an-hour fastball to a 97-100, right? I mean, that, that is what he's done. Is that, is that in the best interest of his arm? Can he do that and sustain for 10 or 15 years of his career? Mm-hmm. Stop making this a competitive, fire, grit, toughness, Eric Bedard, and start making it about this guy's livelihood, and it's different. Because for I, all of you and your, all of your livelihoods out there, yes. I agree with everything you just said. I think there's a real possibility that he's right about all that. And yet, it's go time. It's September. I know. Like, I, I don't know I what know. else to tell you. I it's know. go time. It's September. And by the way, the doing it the other way and keeping Steven Strasburg from having to pitch anymore, that didn't work any better. So I, un, unless there's some more, like, hard evidence on it, I'm not saying that that thought process is messed up. I don't think it is. But also, it's September. And I'm not asking them to do that. I'm just like trying it, to add a perspective no, here that in my one. lifetime of 20 years of being around lots of this stuff yep. with a lot of pro athletes and seeing guys are like, you want me to shoot that up? I mean, you want me to take what? When I had a high ankle sprain against Nebraska, okay, not, uh, personal story time. And maybe this is, what is that called when I'm taking other people's stories and making it my own? What, what is that term called? Like, Ref- plagi- like, like reflect- or something? Or huh? projecting? No, 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 no. Projecting. Maybe I'm projecting here an awful lot with a bunch of these different real stories for me. But when I sprain my ankle in 97, Grant Wistrom continued to on my knees. And he falls on my ankle. And I hear a pop for the first time. I'm like, whoa, what the heck was that? Right? And I get up and I can't. It's throbbing. It's not my Achilles. It's like a high ankle sprain. And I can't even like put weight on my foot. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I take the next snap, and I can barely hand it off. And then I go hop over to the sideline, and we go up the tunnel. And guess what? I'm sitting in there, and they're evaluating it. And, like, you know, and maybe there's an opportunity to take a whole handful of pills. I'm like, I've never done that in my life. What is this? And then about 15 Tums, too, right? One hand is this, and one hand is Tums. You know, like, and I, I couldn't do it. I, mean, I don't even know what that's going to do to my brain. I've never done this. I can't. I can't do but this. Brock, that's different from can you pitch five more pitches? Can you throw ten more pitches in the seventh inning? Is pretty different from can you take drugs that you don't know what they are? Can on, you man. go out and can you go out and play when it matters against number two Nebraska? Can you go out and play when it matters in the pennant chase? Can you go out? I, and I, do- I understand the comp. Asking George Kirby to go out and throw another inning when his bullpen's tired is very different from what you're talking about. I, I appreciate the thought, and there's some relevance there. Like I said, maybe there's some projection. I'm maybe gonna, I'm reaching I'm gonna, a little I'm going to have to call little. that one. I think that one might be a bit of a reach. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, to I'm your point about there. how I, they should still be babying him, it is. you can kind of also look at it as like the Mariners is a place where these young guys do get to become starting pitchers, and now Miller and Wu need to be babied, and you need to step up. Yeah, I mean, it's like, sorry, rotation. dude, that, that's how it goes. Like, it, you know, know. I'm, I'm sorry, they have, child. But, and, I know you don't want to have to be the adult right now, but you're the last, you're, you're, the, you're next up. That's how it goes. And, and by the way, they have been unbelievably super conscious about this. They've talked about it, right? And Jerry's talked to Nazim about it, and they think about it more than any of us do all day long. Yeah. How are we going to make sure we do this? And to your point, there is no exact science. There is no perfect way to do it with this arm and, and everything else, but it's complicated. This wasn't just about a competitive fire. 
right? And that's what makes this story to me so unbelievably yeah. deep because no, it's about good. protecting myself. And I know that that is a reach, and I apologize if that was offensive or I way not offensive. Out of it's just I just think it's a reach. It's just like it's, it's there's a similarity, but there's a difference between he wasn't being asked to do anything new. He's just being going. He's just asked to go out and pitch the seventh man. I don't know more pitches than he's thrown. It in wasn't any more game pitches. He'd only year. thrown ninety pitches. If he goes, no, if he goes out and finishes that inning, no one and said he had to finish that inning. Go out there and you're going to start the next inning. He still only ended up throwing 102 pitches, even after giving up the two runs. I don't think it was yeah. an unreasonable ask. I don't think it fits in. I don't that. either. I, I don't think even, at even all. Even given the the whole history around it. I still don't yep. think it's an unreasonable ask, unlike, hey, take these drugs. <laughs> you don't know what they're going to do to you. <laughs> I think that one might be a different branch. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's hey, come hey, back hey. here with everything you need to know before we ask you this Pete Carroll question. You guys can try to help us out. And, Brock, I actually have a question for you and everybody else. I think I might be making a terrible mistake in my personal life. It's next on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I do love September baseball. Seriously, I love the back and forth. I love how much it matters. I love how much every pitch counts. But gosh, the way it ended last night was really tough to take. The Mariners had so many opportunities to make that maybe the win of the year. And instead, it's probably the worst loss. Up 3 nothing, they give it back. Bases loaded. No outs in the ninth. They squander Julio, the huge home run. And they found a way to waste that, too. The Gino Suarez error is going to stick with me. The mental mistakes throughout were just brutal. You just can't have games like that, and they never should have even let it get to extras. Yeah, looking back on the ball game, uh, you know, we get the, the three singles lead off the ninth, and you know, that's happened to us a couple times this year. We just haven't been able to put the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and, and finish it off. So, uh, you know, once you get into extra innings, crazy stuff can happen. And unfortunately, it did to them. September baseball is the best. But it's also the worst, and it makes heroes, and it exposes weaknesses. And unfortunately, the Mariners have some weaknesses right now in their bullpen, and they're not playing clean ball, and both those things got exposed last night. Yeah, it is such a bummer, to your point. I mean, Cal Raleigh set another franchise record, broke his mark. He hit his 28. He's going to hit 30 home runs this year. Julio Rodriguez, one of 44 players in the history of this game to go 30-30 and do it at 22. And do it, as Paston said, with a two-iron stinger that very few can hit 400-some feet off the ground, but home run he did. And it, was, it, was, it was nuts. And Logan went seven. You needed him. Come on, man. You're tired. Your team is tired. The bullpen is tired. Let's go. And he went out there and gave you seven strong innings and a chance to win. But I'll say this, man. The one bugaboo over the course of this whole season, not just the mental because that's been a little bit up and down, not just some of the injuries been a little bit up and down, not the hitting or the pitching. The one bugaboo all year, Salky, is they're 6-13 and 13 in extra innings. Yep. They are 6-13 and 13 in extra innings. And if you don't think over the final 17 games they're going to play one run or late inning games or extra innings, you are fooling yourself. Absolutely Got to come out of that. Absolutely. Congratulations, though, to Julio. He joins a 30-30 club at just 22 years old. Unbelievable, impressive feat. Worth celebrating even after a bad night. Some bad news. Tom Murphy shut down from baseball activity. Possibility he could make it back before the end of the year. But right now, not a good sign for Tom Murphy. Here's the second thing you need to know. We're going to dig into Pete Carroll a little bit deeper here in about 10 minutes. But, yeah, it's a tough day yesterday coming off of a brutal loss on Sunday that just didn't seem indicative of what we were expecting from this team. Honestly, i got to be honest with with our fans and everybody. Me. I'm, I'm, my expectations are pretty freaking high. 
and I operate like that at all times, and and uh, and I'm trying to elevate the, the, our expectations to the point where the, it, it enhances our play. But you also have to manage your expectations, and and that's that's the part of it. You have to be realistic. You have to be able to get to the point of it, and you have to be able to reset. That's what I f- I feel like I didn't do well yesterday. You said something yesterday to me. I'm gonna come back to. You don't even know what you said. You, I mean, you say a lot of things, but we're gonna come back to it here in about ten minutes or so. But when I hear that now for a second time, I'm thinking DK Metcalf. Metcalf. You can be and have expectations, and you can be a big bad tough too. But you know what? You can't be delusional. And when you tried to tell the press yesterday that yeah, I was just blocking this guy, you know, and I was maybe a little rough with him, and I talked like, no, 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 DK, that was not any of it. Let's be real. Let's be honest. It was a tell-the-truth Monday yesterday. Got to get to the bottom of a lot of stuff because that team they're going to go face, and we'll play some of the sound in around the NFL tomorrow that, that Mora has cut. That team they're going to face on Sunday. Hmm. Yeah, that building's going to be rocking, and you're going to probably have two different offensive tackles too. Yeah. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, yesterday it was, uh, I mean, a script that you couldn't have even really written unless you were in a com- <laughs> like a comedy and that people still would have said, no, that one's too unbelievable. The Jets once again repeated history a few years after the Brett Favre disaster. Well, now you've got the Aaron Rodgers debacle to add on to it. He lasts four plays in his first game as a New York Jet. It's hard to even gauge whether he looked good or not because he was done so quickly. We found out today it is indeed a torn Achilles, and he will miss the rest of the year. Pretty crazy how that seems to happen in this day and age of social media, right? Like within an hour, people are tweeting close-ups. Doctors are online telling you, nope, there it is. You can see the calf, right? You can see it kind of reverberate, which, you know, speaking of just crazy delusional, our guy Richard Sherman could be some of that. But the fact that Richard Sherman walked off the field, the fact that he was walking the sidelines, right? The fact that that he did that with a torn Achilles to me is still one of the most outrageous. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that dude's brain and toughness and pain and all of it just worked a little bit differently. Aaron knew. Aaron knew right then. He tried to get up, tried to take a step, knew that thing was not working. Let me get down. Could hardly walk off the card into the locker room and... With it, certainly a lot of fantasy football dreams died, not only for Aaron Rodgers, for Garrett Wilson and crew, because it's going to be a different kind of script in New York this year. All right, there you go. That's everything you need to know, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Uh, All right, let's see. I I don't usually do this. Can I? uh, Personal? Well, I have a couple personal things. I have one question that I was going to ask you. And then this guy's been sending me a bunch of texts. I don't always read the angry texts out there, but this one, he really wants me to read it, and it's very angry. So I thought maybe Uh you might enjoy it. Do you want to hear the angry text? And do you have a question? Uh, Yeah, I do have a question as well. This one's from a guy named Javier. He's in Renton. He says I'm afraid to read it. I guess he challenged me, and now I'm I'm kind of getting suckered in a little. Now we all know how to get your text Yeah, I got baited a little bit, but here you go. Hey, Salt. You're a punk. I don't like Rodgers either, but laughing when a human gets hurt and annoying the Jet fan is a punk move. You know nobody likes you. We have two choices on the radio. You're one. That's why people listen to you. We have no choice. Rank's kind of funny, but you're a punk. And that's why Sherman punked you on the radio. You know I don't like you or your opinion 89% of the time, which means 11% were on the same side. But I would be genuinely upset if you had an injury to your vocal cords. If you said something like that against an injured Mariners and laughed, oh my God, I would be annoyed. You're a punk. That's why Boston didn't want you. Now we're stuck with you, punk. 
And I know you'll see this message. Don't punk out. Read it on the radio. See how many agree. Maybe we should take a poll. Oh, yeah. Those texts are from me calling you a punk. That's Javier in Renton. And I do like this last one. Do a ranked on best radio dudes on 710. You ain't on the list, punk. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that That's pretty good, isn't it? Have you ever ranked punks? I don't know whether we've ranked punks. Well, I mean, that could be an amazing punk. Amazing. <laughs> that could be an amazing. I don't ranks. know whether there'd be enough. I don't. Punks know. We'd have to see jump if you up go to that. Yeah, that would definitely be on the list. Anyway, yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that's from Javier. He doesn't like me. Uh, here's the hard part. But I gotta so tell I'm, you, man, I'm laughing at Jets fans, and I don't care what you say. That was objectively hysterical. The same way you laugh when the three Stooges hit each other in the face, or when somebody gets hit in the you know what in an old '80s TV show. Like it's funny. That was funny yesterday. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad he's not like you know injured. Injured. I mean, it didn't. They don't. Doesn't. It wasn't like he. He. I don't laugh at concussions, but like that doesn't even hurt. Mm. And they did. You can't say that. We had some people texting that said it did. You talked to one person that said it didn't. Yeah, but hurt. I talked to my good friend, and they uh-huh. say it doesn't hurt that much. I don't. I don't know that I'm convinced that it doesn't hurt to tear an Achilles. I don't like to see potentially like one of the all-time greats career end that way. I wanted to see oh, the he'll season be back, back. Please, I'm surprised he wasn't back later in the game like Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> to show everybody the great drama queen that he is. We'll see. Please. All right. I do have another personal question. That wasn't even the personal question. I'm more oh mad that he like ranked jeez you got another question for me and we got pete stuff to get to I've been we may not have time for rank we may not have time yes so we better punky we better brewster. get to it <laughs> punky brewster be number one on the list and there's that punky johnson is on snl now all right we'll be right Vampire back it's brock and Salk's yellow sports on 710 you're listening to brock and Salk, powered through the alaska <laughs> airline studio on seattle sports and the seattle sports app Text toy, very split on whether I'm a punk, Brock. Uh, but I do like that. This is a good text from the 509. This sums it up perfectly. No one's laughing at him being hurt. That's not the funny part. The funny part is the entire offseason narrative falling apart in four plays for the Jets. I can't see how that isn't funny. I think funny. people are confused because you keep saying it's not that part, but then you keep saying you were laughing hysterically when he got hurt. Right, well, that it is funny. <laughs> But not that he got hurt. That the, that's perfectly well stated. Thank you, five hundred nine. Mm-hmm. It's because the 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 entire narrative and everything with the Jets fans falling apart that quickly. I'm sorry. That is that. I don't say how it's not funny. I absolutely laugh. Not because the guy got hurt. Thankfully, it wasn't. A, you know, he's not going to like ruin his life over that injury. I just I don't know. I mean, were you laughing like you were laughing when I made the comment about the Bellevue Athletic Club racquetball player? That was funny, too. Like, that's that all, funny? That's also very funny. Funny like I make you laugh? Funny that like I'm a clown? That was very funny. Funny, funny well. like that? Or can you help me real quick before we ask this Pete Carroll question? Yeah. So I, not really even thinking about it, I started kind of growing this beard. And it's, you know, it's not all the way there yet. It's like, you know, sort of mid, mid-growth. mid Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not out to the point where you're like, okay, that's seven o'clock shadow. Yeah, it's certainly I mean, it's been a week, but it's not like it's been three weeks and or something like that. But it's been like a little over a week and it's grown out a little bit. I actually kind of like a little bit of the way it looks when I look in the mirror. Uh But I keep looking up here at the um, if you're looking at it online, you can see it's salesports.com or on our uh, on our uh, on our app. And I I feel like it's making me look more like Jimmy Kimmel. And I didn't know I didn't feel like that necessarily when I was looking at it just in the mirror up uh-huh. close, but on camera here, uh-huh. 
Maybe it's you know the the East Side weight loss, but it, just the combination. Hmm. Okay, I feel how like long are you growing go- it? I don't know. Well, that's the other thing well, is I don't really know mine, what to do with because it. Because my next question is: if Have you seen ZZ Top? If, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, they open for Rambo. If <laughs> if if uh, it starts growing out and you got a lot of gray spots, you can keep it. Well, it's getting gray. Yeah, there's some gray in there, okay. which I kind of yeah. like. I kind of yeah. like some of the gray in there. I, think I feel like it's kind of nice. distinguished. Yes. yes. It's making me look mature. Very yes. grown up. So what do you think? Can I get some advice on this? What would you do? I'm for it. You're for just growing uh, it and not touching anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of for it. All I right. think, obviously, Heather's going to have the strongest opinion. She should weigh in the most on that. Right. But beyond her and yourself, I, I think I'm kind of, yeah. Now you've done it before, right? You had it's a been like fifteen years. I know. Long. It's been like twelve or thirteen years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm, I'm kind of in. All right, I'm kind of in. Itches at this stage. I think you should yeah. ask KJ tomorrow. That's okay. why we bring him in. That's you a know, good question. Hard-hitting question. He'll be and honest. Then, and then G as well. G G should have some sort of beard <laughs> lube or something that'll make it smell better or whatever oh, it is boy. you need. All right, oh, beard boy. oil. Oh, same thing. Uh, all right, Brock. Okay. okay. Brock. Yesterday, you and I were both. I wouldn't say surprised. But maybe, I uh, see, that's not nice. The 406 says backs and shoulders aren't supposed to have beards, Salk. You know, that is really unnecessary, and I don't appreciate that. You're the punk. How dare you? Um, we were both, I wouldn't say surprised. I would say maybe a little bit taken aback yeah. by how much vitriol there was on the text machine and Twitter, et cetera, yep. and even just on some of the phone calls regarding Pete specifically after the loss yesterday, that almost all of the anger wasn't focused on DK Metcalf. It wasn't focused on Gino. It wasn't the offense. It wasn't the defense. It wasn't an individual player. It was Pete. It was Pete. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was, I mean. Why is that? <laughs> well, I, I think part of it is what he addressed. And as he spoke to the fans, kind of at the very end of our interview, you played that a couple different times. Fire it for me one more time, because it also leads me to something you said with yesterday. The expectations thing. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I got to be honest with with our fans. And everybody follows me. You know, I'm I'm my expectations are pretty freaking high, and I operate like that at all times. And and uh, and I'm trying to elevate the, the our expectations to the point where the, it enhances our play. But you also have to manage your expectations, and, and that's that's the part of it. You have to be realistic. You have to be able to get to the point of it, and you have to be able to reset. That's what I, f- I feel like I didn't do well yesterday. And he knows, I, I think, the way that he is wired, right? I, not that he pays attention. I don't think he's on social media. I don't think he necessarily hears those things from the audience like we do as we kind of filter all of this. But he's smart enough, and he's been around the block long enough to know that, man, you build expectations like that. You talk about it all preseason. You talk about this secondary. You talk about Gino. You talk about all of this. He didn't necessarily have a whiteboard that said Super Bowl or bust, right, as the Mariners did with their World Series expectations. But he might as well. And when it doesn't happen, you're going to feel the fervor, much like the Mariners brass felt, right, at the trade deadline and in July sulk. A lot of folks equally like so mad. Don't build this up into something that it's not. And then when I see the product and it so underperforms, mm-hmm. not again too dissimilar to to June and, and July for some of the Mariners, I'm going to be outraged. And where is that outrage going to go? Not necessarily these players I love, <laughs> but it's going to go at you know the head coach. It's going to go at the skipper. It's going to go at the general manager. It's going to go at ownership. 
And and Pete wears, I think, for the Seahawks, a lot of those hats, mm-hmm. right? Because he's out front a lot, and he doesn't mind that. And he doesn't mind, as he said, kind of being at the front end of that expectation train and always believing that they're going to be great. Sophomore slump. Yeah. Sophomore slump. That. Yeah, it's a sophomore opportunity. It's a sophomore, sophomore bump. Sophomore jump. Right. Sophomore bump. Sophomore go. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Pete's an interesting one because I think we can all recognize that he's not perfect. Right. And and I think I, I tend to view Pete with a series of trade-offs that and I've and that's an evolving opinion with Pete over the course of the last 13 years. But I, I think that it's it's there's a lot of trade-offs with Pete. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to give up some bad in order to get a lot of the things he does really, really well. I think you've got to give up some of the control on the sideline. You've got to give up some of the discipline. You've got to give up some of the communication with, you know, getting plays in on time and timeout usage and some of that stuff. Some of that will go away with Pete. That's one of the trade-offs of, I believe, of, and he would probably argue with me, and that's fine. But my opinion would be that, that that's some of the trade-off for his culture building, his ability to get guys playing with their hair on fire, to get guys motivated, to build a, a, a group and a culture and, and, and a standard here in Seattle that stands for something and is good year in, year out. I think you also end up, and, and we've talked about this before, where you know there is so much empowerment of the players that over time – they can kind of overshadow him. They grow out of it a little bit because he really wants to turn them into men and turn them into adults. And when they get to that point of of really being individual, they can start talking about the, you know, the, the, what was it Richard Sherman said? The, uh, not the karaoke room. What did he call it? The Kumbaya room. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Kumbaya. They can start talking about the Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> That's, that's a great version uh-huh. of that. Yep. Um, so I just tend to see Pete as a series of trade-offs. Yep. As for whether or not he can coach, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. The guy's in the playoffs every single year. He continues to have a winner almost no matter what. And I would hope that last year we learned that it was Pete who made Russ rather than the other way around. Okay. So when that, I put all those things true. together, I just... I, I understand criticizing Pete because I think he's got some severe and significant weaknesses in addition to some unbelievable strengths. I just think the strengths outweigh the weaknesses by quite a large margin. Here is the challenge that Pete is facing in this regard, in the court of public opinion, in the court of passionate NFL fans. Here is the battle he is facing, Saul. As you were saying all of that, and I can't disagree with much of it at all, I'm lockstep with you. The the trade-offs are <laughs> sign me up, man. This is I've said he's the greatest coach in our in in sports history in our Pacific Northwest. But here's what he's fighting. Who is the front runner in the NFC West? The 49ers. Right. Coached by an offensive whiz. Who's the front runner in the AFC West? The Kansas City Chiefs. Coached by an offensive whiz. Who's the front runner in the NFC East? Philadelphia, coached by an offensive guy. Who's the front runner in the AFC East? I mean, that one's a little tough. And, and obviously, with the Jets out, you could say Sala, or I mean, there's a debate there. But Belichick, that's front runner. Tired, man. 
Defensive guy. That's old. old. That's, that's old. old school stuff. Yeah. That's old school stuff. Front runner in the uh, AFC South. That would be Jacksonville. Hired Doug Peterson. Offensive whiz. Yeah. Turned it around. People love the guy in Miami right now. He's a big Mike one. Mike McDaniel. Yep, yep, that's a big name. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right about that. That's a you good point. You are fighting Tomlin. Defensive guy. Feels old. Belichick. New England. Feels old. Pete. Seattle. Feels old. Give me, look what Sean McVay just did. Look what Sean McVay does in all these matchups with him. There is an overriding feeling, I think, amongst a lot of fans when they watch where this league is going and they see these offensive explosions and they see these offensive guys that set their teams up for success. And, oh, by the way, Andy Reid has won a couple Super Bowls and is at the front of the line. And, you know, Sirianni. And, by the way, Dan Campbell, former tight end, offensive play caller, right, in Detroit. I mean, you just kind of go through it all and – it's uh, it is gonna be a, a so let me ask you this then a battle that he is going to so, fight. So with that is messaging. that a perception issue, Brock, or is that the reality of the modern NFL? I think that there is a huge, huge part that can point to efficiency numbers and EPA and expected play this and and go through all these numbers and not just say hey passing's better for you, but actually hey man look at the innovative offense and look at what you can do and look how hard it is to play defense and ask Bill Belichick what life is like since Tom Brady left. Right. And he is this defensive mastermind. And how hard is it to play? And I, I, you know, and this has not just been a a one week challenge. Some of the defense last year, they didn't get to the playoffs because of their defense. They had to playoffs last year because of Geno and this offense. Right. And, and there's been some years here where it's, it's tough. The yards gained, the yards per play, the, some of these defensive metrics have not been kind of like, well, Tomlin and Belichick. So that is some of, the current that he is fighting. And when we see the text toy, as we do, not just the negativity on social media or in that realm, but when we see the text toy the way we saw it yesterday, yeah. like, wow. No, it's a, it's a good – I think you make a really astute observation there, Brock, and, and kudos to you. It, it, it kind of fits with the cowherd stuff that we've heard for the last few years, and cowherds made that comp before, right? A defensive coach, older coach, 70-year-old coach. I mean, like, we, we've heard that, and good on you for bringing it back. You're absolutely right. I'm sure that is absolutely part of well, what in front of mine, too, because look at what yeah, Sean Bay just did with Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. And a rookie guard. And, and I guess look what at- I don't understand, though, is who cares whether the head coach is offensive or defensive? If you've got a good enough offensive coordinator, why would it matter? I would agree with that. I would agree. Is it, that is it just the the image? Is it or is it like something ingrained in the defensive <laughs> coach that won't allow them to cut it loose? I don't know what it would be. See, that's where you I want think to cut Pete, it loose, like Josh Allen did yesterday with four four turnovers. I think that's cost his team a game. I think that's where Pete's pretty unique. But he's going to have to prove to these. I think he's unique. I think he loves offense. I think he loves explosive plays. I think he knows that big reason they lost that game is they had two explosive plays. And the defense didn't do their part. So if you're going to be a defensive guy, Belichick, if you're going to be a defensive guy, Tomlin, if you're going to be a defensive guy, Pete, guess what your team needs to do? It needs to play good defense. And it needs to play some, you know, at times, elite defense and shut people down mm-hmm. and shut the door on the Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwells. Right, that's the way you stop some of yeah. that narrative and some yeah, of that. It's current. so funny though. What was the most dominating performance of this week? Wasn't it the Cowboys' defense? 
Yeah. That's I, I mean, I don't know what was more dominating this week than the Cowboys defense. But what did Mike McCarthy do? I took over the plays. I'm the offensive mind, and I let Dan Quinn, and I empowered yeah, Dan Quinn. I guess that's true, but I, it's still, it was the it was the defense. I don't know. Yeah, maybe yep. there's something to that. I think it's something we'll certainly watch, and that you should put that on our storyline list to continue to follow over the rest of this year. Right now, it's time for Ranked. Oh, I didn't get to ask my question. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. What do you mean your question? What question did you have? Good question. We'll we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it now. We're not doing anything. What's your question? You said that you said yesterday that you think baseball expectations and football expectations are different. And this is coming from a guy that has said repeatedly, and, and I'm with you on this, that the players today handling expectations across all sports yeah. is a big-time issue and a big-time challenge. So we'll dive into it. Okay, tomorrow. we'll do some of that tomorrow. That's a good one. All right. Today, Justin, we are ranking toys. Toys. Why? After, because watching the game last night, you saw the announcement that Disney Plus is going to be streaming some kind of like Toy Story-themed animated NFL game where the characters from Toy Story are going to be playing in, I guess, sort of real time. Yes. Uh, alongside the game for kids, similar to the Nickelodeon slime, SpongeBob, oh, Sheldon stuff. That it sounded done. like uh, like uh, Troy Aikman was very excited about that. Troy Aikman was stoked. <laughs> yes. So are there any actual toys on this list? Good question, Mora. Yeah, no. uh, what was your favorite, Mora, what was your favorite toy growing up? October 1st. Mm, I liked uh, Teddy Ruxpin. It was a teddy bear that had, had like a cassette tape thing in the back, and it yeah. would talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Teddy Roxman. Yeah. Jocelyn, favorite Probably toy? Probably that toy that you'd turn upside down and be like, whomp, <laughs> Remember that thing? <laughs> no. You'd turn uh-huh. it upside down, it looked like a baton. It baton. just had like a oh, salt sound that. thing yes. inside. I do remember oh, that. Oh, I love that thing. Brock? Wow. I had these little, not the big cabbage patch kids. Grandma Peg, Mom Peg at that time, found these little cabbage patch football players. Mm-hmm. And they were like four inches tall. And they and then and then the helmets that you could buy out of the bubble gum, like the little plastic helmets, fit perfectly on their heads. So I then collected every one of those NFL helmets, put them on these little yeah, cabbage patch dolls, yeah, and created my own games <laughs> in the most amazing ways. On brand, Brock. Of nice, job. very on brand. Yes. Salk. My favorite toys as a kid. Yeah. I didn't play with toys. I read books. with you morons? Oh my toys. <laughs> This boombox that he carried books, on his shoulder. Yeah. Listen to music. I went outside and beat me? sticks together. Yeah, myself. Out of here. Toys. Those are for wimps. All right. <laughs> let's see. Toys ranked. We do I have. From, I agree with Javier. You're a punk. really did. I like big boy toys. Motors and lights. Knobs and switches and a what do you think, Rock? I kind of like that. Solid. What solid. is that, Jason? Aaron Tippin, Big Boy Toys. I kind of like that. There you go. I'd like to hear more of that. Get that some more Aaron Tippin in your life. I think I might need more Aaron Tippin. <laughs> some Big Boy Toys. <laughs> more Aaron Tippin in my life. Uh, I saw a band, Brock, when I was uh, about 13 years old. My aunt took me to a concert. We saw Alice Cooper, Motorhead, Judas Priest, wow. Seattle's own Metal Church, and Dangerous Toys. How much of the American population pr- pronounces it aunt versus aunt? Uh, it's whatever population lives in New England. Yeah. <laughs> I say whatever aunt. the population of New England is, that's uh-huh. the percentage. Gotcha. Sorry. Right. That, I've, I've lost a lot of There might be some New Yorkers it, that say it too. Do aunt. they? I don't know. I think Nevada? they say aunt. 
Yeah, we say Nevada. Yeah, sorry. I've gotten That's over okay. that one, though. That's I cannot okay. say Nevada. I now say pajamas. I now say Nevada. Who am I to judge? But I, I can't get rid of Because there are people in my life I call aunt. I'm not yep. going to now start calling. Like, my Auntie Sue's not going to become Auntie Sue. I can't do that. That's already her name. <laughs> that was like calling you Brooke. <laughs> like, it's just a name change. It broke. <laughs> broke. Uh, uh, let's see who else should be on here. Brock Latoya Jackson, obviously, going to be in. That's, yeah, that's hello. What you don't you don't want to put no Latoya. Problem. Latoya? What's your problem with Latoya? Yeah, it's not a toy. Her name, you just butchered her name. Her name is Latoya Jackson. It's not toy. It's Latoya. Correct, not toy Jackson. You got Toyo tires. You got. Oh, yeah. I love for I love what you do for me, Toyota. Didn't you once endorse a Toyota? You drove a Toyota for a while. It's LaToya. Her name. You just said it's important to not mess up names. Her name is LaToya. Aunt Sue. LaToya. It's not Aunt Sue. It's LaToya. You got uh, the toys <laughs> who did the original Smoke Two Joints, which Sublime covered. I like that version a lot. Yeah, it's good. I think the Sublime one's pretty faithful to it, don't you think? I mean, I was today years old when I learned that that was a cover. Oh, so. they do a lot of covers. They're good with almost all of them, too. That's a good cover. Uh, let's see. How about Shiny Toy Guns, the band, Brock? They did Major Tom a few years ago. This is a good song. Oh, I've heard this one. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? Also a cover, yeah? Not really. Brock, do you remember the, the movie Toy Soldiers <laughs> with Will Wheaton from Stand By Me and Sean yes. Astin? Yes. Where they're stuck in the school. That's a great yeah. one. Toys with Robin Williams. The old musical Babes in Toyland. Richard Pryor's The Toy. Tin Toy is another old movie. Oh, Missy. Tin Toy. That was the original uh, Pixar. Oh, really? Yeah, that was like the first concept of oh. showing that they could do. Like with the toaster art. oven and stuff? No, I think it was. Uh, I'll show it to you later. All it's right. like a little, a little tin toy. <laughs> huh. I've been sort of toying with the idea of, of looking at that. So. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Toying with Britney did Toy Soldiers. Missy Elliott did Toys. Should we get to the top five? Uh, We got a... I forgot what the one in here, but I don't know if you know it either. It was from the Beach Boys Christmas album. The Man with All the Toys. I don't know that one. Hmm. Me neither. All right. Well, here you go. Here's number five. Eminem. It's like Toy Soldiers from Eminem with... What's her name? Martika? Yeah, Martika. That's a sample from that. I forgot about that. uh, Man, I think the 80s, man. Yeah, that sounded like Eminem. All right, number four, Brock. Uh huh. Is Toy Story. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. That's so good. Favorite character? You, of course, have never seen it. You've not seen it. I, I have seen you it. I just don't like Tom Hanks. I don't like Slinky. Slinky. I like I like uh, John Ratzenberger's character. Okay. Uh, the is he Mr. Potato Head? No, doesn't isn't he the pig? I forgot. The the only you know the random actor's name and nothing. You mean the guy from Cheers? The only person who's been in every single Pixar movie? John Ratzenberger? I don't know who's been in John it except for Tom Hanks. John Ratzenberger is the only the person who has been in every single Pixar cool. movie. Cool. I don't know his name. Well, that's on you. He's Cliff. He's the, he's the uh, piggy bank. Yeah, he's Cliff from Cheers. Cliff Cheers. Okay. Sorry. Also, you also thought it was Rambo. I know who so Cliff from Cheers is. Well, his <laughs> name is played. He, there was a human being inside there. His name was John Ratzenberger, and he's been in every about Pixar not movie. Playing with toys. His name wasn't Cliff? <laughs> wasn't his real He was name. a top three Cliff, though, when we did Cliff's rank. <laughs> yeah, of course he was. All right, number, what are we on? Number three yep. for all of you Christmas fans. Would you like to be a bird that doesn't fly? I swim. Or a cowboy who rides. 
an ostrich. There you go. The Island of Misfit, Misfit Toys. Toys. There you go. The Island of Misfit Toys, number three on our list. So hard to beat, but number two, Brock, from our childhood, from our youth. I don't want to grow up. Toys Rusket. They got a million toys and toys. They're us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys Rusket. They got the best for so much. I love kids running out of breath. They're running at Toys R Us. It's like that message you play us from Peyton. They run everywhere. Stop. There you go. Toys R Us. Did you say the uh, Toys movie, the Robin Williams movie? Yeah. Okay. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, that is a strange one. Very strange. And, uh, do you like Jeffrey the Giraffe, though, Toys R Us? I did. It's a pretty good giraffe. Let me guess you hate him, too. You ever seen oh, a okay. giraffe's okay. tongue? Yeah, yeah, they're like kind of blackish, blackish oh, purple. crazy. Yeah, I know. We watched these giraffes eat at the San Diego Zoo this year for like a half hour. I love giraffes. Yeah, My favorite animal. Well, I would hope one. number one is obvious. Getting ready for November. Just a couple months away from the final concert of Aerosmith. What do you mean, final? This is it, man. Peace out, what? concert. Peace out. Really? Yeah. You think so? I actually do, yeah. <laughs> I know that oftentimes bands do that. I think this one's actually going to be it. That's Toys in the Attic from Aerosmith. That's number one, wow. Toys Ranked. Thank oh. you. Right. Oh, we got to get out of here. We got KJ tomorrow. I really got to hear from KJ about this defense and what he saw. He's going to be eight so o'clock. fired up. He I would hope he is. So mad. He better be mad. So mad. <laughs> That's going to be good. All right, KJ coming up tomorrow. Uh, Brock's got some important questions to ask as well. We'll catch you guys at 6 a.m. Until then, the hay is in the barn barn. Keep some toys in there, too. See you, everybody.